0: Hi, I'm Madvi Romani. And I'm Rena Grobe. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week, we'll be discussing a new topic or trend, so you can stay informed the easy way. So
1: Rena, what are we talking about this week? Emily Ratajowski. Still unsure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but I think that's how you say it. Apologies to her if I'm mispronouncing her name has released a book this week called My Body. It's a collection of essays. And it's kind of based off an essay that she wrote for The Cut, I believe about a year ago, where she talks about this idea of buying back her image. Emily Ratajowski, if you don't know, is a model and actress. She rose to prominence, I guess is the best way to say it, by being in Robin Thicke's music video, to Blurred Lines, a couple years ago. Since then, she's become a household name in the modeling and acting industry. I feel very weird about Emily Ratajkowski Because obviously, on the one hand, as a feminist, I want to support women and their right to do what they choose with their bodies. But on the other hand, there's something that's always kind of really irked and bothered me about her that I've never been able to pinpoint quite exactly. So when I saw that she had just recently come out with a book, I was like, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about Emily Ratajkowski, And that's why we're here today.
0: So this book started with actually an essay that was published last year in The Cut, a New York magazine. I think it was one of the most read articles of 2020. And the essay is called Buying Myself Back. When does a model own her image? It makes you so angry to read this essay because she writes about how she posted a picture on Instagram and then a really famous artist called Richard Prince basically just reprinted it along with a comment of his underneath the Instagram photo and he did a bunch of you know prints basically around this and then he sold it for thousands and thousands of dollars and just to own her image she actually like bought her own image that she had posted on Instagram back from this really famous artist And then likewise, there was a photographer who photographed her for free for exposure so that she would get more bookings for this, like, arty magazine. And his name was Jonathan. And then he just released books and books of photographs of her, which are now in its, like, third or fourth printing, massive coffee table books of her image naked that he took on that night where she wasn't paid, basically. And he's making loads of money off her image. And she just points out how exploitative and terrible the modeling industry is. I think the problem that you have with her is that she is pointing out the problems of this industry. And it's a very problematic industry. And it's very problematic having your body and your image exploited and sold off. So she's, you know, she's trying to say, look, in this essay, I am more than just this image of this naked body. And she is really smart, and she actually writes really well and compellingly. And she's trying to say, look, I'm also, this is my story, this is my interiority, all of this kind of stuff. However, she's still part of the modelling industry. She's this very beautiful, very privileged in the way she looks, sort of model. And she's complicit in it by participating in it i guess still and i think that's where the problem of emily lies i was reading this article in the atlantic which is a really good review of the book and the writer references sandra lee Bartkey, who wrote about the disciplinary project of femininity and she says well women They have to, like, adjust their gestures. They have to wear cosmetics, ornamentation. They have to adapt every single aspect of their appearance in order to comply with the dominant patriarchal power structure. They have to transform their bodies, all of this kind of stuff. And when they do that, they are complicit. So when Emily, for example, still models, she's still super thin, she still puts out this idealised idea of what... The female body should be like she still supports that yet also criticizes being objectified as the feminine form is kind of problematic and actually emily herself like in her book she says her purpose is not to arrive at answers but to examine the various mirrors in which i've seen myself so i think she kind of acknowledges that like yeah it's complicated And the review in The Atlantic kind of points out that she has this very, like, kind of narrow focus. Like, even the title of the book, which is called My Body, suggests conflicting things. It's about ownership and also depersonalization. So you're trying to, like, write about your body, but then you're also trying to write your way
1: out of the body, you know? So I think that's the problem of
0: Emily, basically.
1: When you read the essay that she wrote in the cut, you want to like reach into the essay, pull her out, and like protect her from harm because the world has been so disgusting and so gross and like men are I was about to say men are trash and then I remembered what my friend said she told me never to say men are trash. So, you know, these men are all so disgusting to her and they violate her consent and they take advantage of her and they abuse her and like poor baby, she's been through so much shit. And obviously I want to help and support and protect all women from that always. But there is something when you read the essay, and this is what I always kind of get really hung up on, is there's kind of this weird oversight on her part where when she's talking about the Polaroids being repurposed, there's this complete lack of acknowledgement that it's not just about her, if that makes sense. Like that the photographer who originally took the photo that's being used by Richard Prince, the makeup artist, the magazine. And of course, like this essay is about her and her body. But I don't know. There's this weird lack of thinking about anyone else. And as I'm saying that, I'm kind of thinking like, well, of course, like she was violated terribly. Of course, she doesn't want to think about anyone else. Like what a responsibility to heap upon women to think of everyone at all times. But just to be there and be like, well, I couldn't afford the 80,000. I couldn't afford half of that. I don't know. There's just like, there's an unacknowledgement of how many other people are being used in the situation that kind of irks me. And also, just women using their bodies and their beauty to sort of make their way in a capitalistic society is kind of a double edged sword, right? Because, like, Emily Ratajowski has immense thin privilege. She is the world's idea of what a, a woman should look like. She's beautiful, she's thin, she's literally super thin but she has really big boobs and she's got a nice butt. You know what I mean? Like she literally ticks all of the boxes of what society demands women should look like. None of that is her fault. She can't help the way she looks. So like, it feels weird to get annoyed at her for using what she has to make her way within a capitalistic society and to exploit a society that's going to exploit her anyway. But yes, at the same time, like to what extent is she playing into it? So she just had a baby And literally three or four weeks after having a baby, she posted photos of herself in a bikini with the child. And it was like, you couldn't tell she had just had a kid, which again, not her fault, but how much of that is feeding into this idea that a women should bounce back. The only thing women are valued for is their body. So like, maybe I'm setting her up for failure here. Like maybe she can't win, but at the same time, I don't know, whenever she talks, I feel like she doesn't acknowledge her own privilege in terms of the way she physically moves within this world, and she doesn't acknowledge her class privilege. And in the essay, she says, you know, my parents are both teachers. I don't really have anyone who can help me with buying back this $80,000 painting, which like, yeah, fair enough. But I don't know, like the, the fact that she doesn't delve further into that idea and sort of unpack, okay, maybe your parents are teachers, so you know, you're not from a multi-million dollar family but you have so many other privileges and I don't know I think she falls short there and then I feel bad for saying that because why do we hold women to such a high standard would I be criticizing a man for exactly the same thing
0: I mean I think it's really telling that she's got a very big platform that people started taking her claim seriously about being mistreated in the modeling industry and like how she's being objectified And the reason her voice is heard is because of the way she looks and her platform and everything. So she has an immense privilege there. Black models or Muslim models, when they've spoken out, they have not inspired as much rage as she has, because a white woman being hurt by something is giving way more weight. And this we see in so many different
1: ways. I just read this book called Such Strange Paradise, which is based on this image of that young Syrian boy who washed up on the shore in Turkey a couple years ago. And it's a really sad book, but it's really, really good. And I highly recommend everyone read it. But there's this one passage where the story is essentially that this Greek girl hides this refugee boy. And at one point, the soldier, like they catch them, and he's taking the girl and bringing her back to his family. And there's this line in the book, he's describing how the soldier is being so gentle and careful with her, and he has this line where he says, like, because if he's, if he's not meant to protect girls who look like this, then who is he meant to protect? And it's this idea of, like, this European white girl is worth protecting, whereas the Syrian refugee boy isn't. And if he doesn't treat this girl with kindness and love, then what is the point of everything he's doing? And that's sort of the Emily Ratajowski sort of effect. effect. Yeah, it's like, if we don't take girls who look like her seriously, then what are we doing?
0: Yeah, she's able to bring these conversations into, like, light because of the way she looks. But at the same time, not acknowledging her privilege does make her limited in what she's able
1: to expand on. Yeah, I mean, it's this idea of, like, breaking the glass ceiling without acknowledging, like, who has lifted you up to this point. And when you break the glass ceiling, who's cleaning up the shards?
0: I think she rubs you the wrong way probably because it seems like she wants everything if you know what I mean like she wants to be acknowledged as like smart and beautiful and also make money at the same time and be seen as all of these things also by men she considers like a lot of her essays and a lot of her concerns is like how am i being seen by men and she's not her view is not really on all those other women and girls and things like that so that's quite interesting about her when you read her essay she's like what is her relationship to men so she's still got this kind of limited viewpoint and then the other thing also just occurred to me when you said she posted the picture of her baby one of the most disturbing things about that is it just looks wrong the way she's holding the baby yeah why does she not know how to correctly hold a child (laughs) that's so judgmental of us but like it the, the baby it just looks uncomfortable this position But also, who owns the image of her child? She's making a choice to put her child onto an Instagram with loads of
1: followers. To be fair, I do think she doesn't show pictures of the child's face. No, 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 but she does. She does post a lot of photos of her baby, but I think that she never shows his face.
0: She's still participating in the Instagram thing, which is she's still showing her images. And she's still, yeah, she controls her image and she controls her Instagram. But... That still kind of lets out this is kind of useless conversation because I feel we're going really abstract. She's like putting out an image that is limited. An image is always too deep. And it always has politics behind it in some way. Mm. I got really into reading about Sandra Lee Berkeley. Like I read her obituary in the New York Times. She died in 2016, I think. She was one of the founders of sort of feminist philosophy. And like by 2002, she kind of was responding to critics who said she was too doctrinaire because she was saying well actually as women we should just reject all of the discipline that is imposed on us by society to be feminine so every single kind of indicator of femininity basically you know we're supposed to be eloquent we're supposed to be silent in our gestures how we look our competition for men's attention our focus on uh, you know even certain jobs whatever like it's like we're still playing in a certain system and we should just basically break that. And she said something really interesting. She acknowledged that like some women actually found the pursuit of perfection, turning, these are her words, turning ourselves into properly feminine women to be a more positive experience for them than she had imagined. So she wrote, it may be the case that the business of trying to achieve as near as one can, physical perfection is even more burdensome than my treatment of the topic suggests. Or else there is far more pleasure at stake here than I am willing to admit to myself and to my readers. So she's just saying, basically, it's complicated and it's not that easy for women to give up all of these things that they've been taught from a young age. And if you think about Emily, she's been modelling since she was 14. And I think this book is a really great kind of first step to, like, looking herself and stuff she hasn't gone as far as she definitely could but I still think it's kind of like it's better than nothing almost if you know what I mean and I like the way that she's like well this book is not to provide any answers because certainly it's like maybe just a step in a development in the story and she's just only like 30 now right and I think all of our journeys as, as women like it's so complicated this sort of what do you hold on to and what is conditioned and how do you realize everything is the conditions and do you want to give some things up or are some things important to you I kind of just like seeing a woman's journey that's kind of important although I understand your frustration but I also like that Sandra Lee Barker you basically said yeah it's kind of complicated right like nobody has all the
1: answers no and I uh, yeah I mean I, I think I said this I do feel kind of bad for a holding her to such an impossible standard because we're all just making mistakes and we're all just learning and we're all going to trip and fall, right? So it seems very unfair to be like, well, you didn't think of this, this, and this. But at the same time, like you do sort of have a responsibility as a public person. And yeah, she can't help the way she looks, but she's such a big part of shaping the narrative around how she looks and how we talk about it. And so I do think it's okay to hold her accountable for that.
0: But actually, you say that she can't help the way she looks. The dude, like even in her essay in the cut, she says, I tried not to eat that much pasta. And then she's drinking the wine so that she can be seen as relaxed or whatever. And this is basically the disciplinary project of femininity. Like you are controlling your body, how much you eat, how you every single thing that you do in order to fit into this patriarchal view of how you should be as a woman. And I think we had this discussion when you messaged me this week and you said, yeah, she can't help the way she looks, like she can't help it if she's thin. And I was like, well, everyone can help if, if they're thin, they just eat, you know, macaroni cheese on pizza like I did for dinner. You know what I mean? I think she is disciplining herself. Yeah, some people are naturally thin, but she only became very successful in her career after she had a case of stomach flu and lost 10 pounds. And then she realized at that point she became very successful. And you can see her ribs and stuff. So, I mean, that's control and that's
1: discipline. She kind of does something very similar to Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, who is a super fascinating sort of pop culture figure, likes to push this narrative of how much she enjoys eating and how much she likes to eat. You know, she kind of like sells this quirky girl persona of, I love food. Without acknowledging that she's allowed to say that in public because she's super fucking thin. And without acknowledging that when she trains for movies, she like is on really strict diets and works out a lot. Emily does something similar, right? She like posts these photos of herself eating a lot of pasta or drinking wine on Instagram. And then you, as someone who's viewing this content, are kind of like, but she's so stick thin. And she's eating all this pasta. So, of course, it's like this like mismatching of reality and what's actually happening behind the camera. But thin privilege is a real thing. You can post photos of yourself eating pasta. You can talk about how much you love eating. And it's seen as kind of funny and quirky, a la Jennifer Lawrence, because you are thin.
0: Yeah, and I think there's also, because of this image-reality mismatch that we're having, is you know, you see people eating and stuff and you think, oh, all these people are all naturally thin. Very rarely true that there are, like, of course, there are like just thin people who are like, you can eat anything you eat and never, you know, change their body shapes. However, I mean, that is not the whole true picture. There is a lot of discipline involved. There is like dieting, there is limiting of calories, there is workout It's not just a natural state being that thin, especially Emily thin.
1: Yeah, and there's no acknowledgement of, like, all of the plastic surgery and the trainers and all of the really expensive things that go into looking the way she looks, which, again, there's much internet debate about her lips. And, like, on the Instagram account de moi, which is, like, a gossip Instagram account, there was this whole thread about which plastic surgeon does Emily Ratajkowski go to to get her lips plumped?
0: So she wants to own her image because she talks about like buying back her image as a model, but she wants it to be, like that's why I say when she, it seems like she wants everything. She wants to be in control of this amazing image and for it to include interiority, smartness, empowerment, but it's still not completely authentic, right? And th- and I mean, that's a choice, but you can't really say, I want to be more than just my image. Because she's saying, I want to be more than just my image. But I think she's not really saying, I want to be more than just my image. She's saying, I want my image. I want to control my image. And I want to be this image. Whereas if you want to be more than just your image, you want to shatter the illusion of image. You want to include the complete messiness and the unfeminine. And recently, like, she still posted pictures. She was advertising something, I don't know. And she had, like, a lollipop in her hand and stuff like that. So it's this, like, it's still playing into this totally kind of adolescent. Pedophilic charm. Pedophilic charm. Like, there's a lot going on there. And all of these tropes from, like, patriarchal culture are still being used by her for profit.
1: It's really interesting when you see the photo then sort of with that in mind that was used for the cut essay, where she's sitting there, supposedly barefaced, no makeup, which we all know that's not true. And then like she's 100% Photoshopped because that's just the way the media industry works. But she's sitting there completely barefaced, looking directly at the camera, wearing a sweater. Like you can tell that she very badly wants to be taken seriously in this photo. And so just the way that she's presenting herself and sort of the image she's trying to portray to the reader is one of like seriousness, which is kind of interesting when you then read the content of the essay. It's like, here you want to be taken seriously so you're fully dressed. And this stands in contrast with an essay where you're talking about your body where you felt not taken seriously, not dressed.
0: Yeah, it's still an image. She just wants to you know, be in control of it and it's still manipulative to some extent. Like every narrative or content out there is to serve a purpose.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're all performing all the time, right? We all are performing how we want others to perceive us. And so she's just human.
0: But the problem with that is she's still not helping other women out. Well, she is actually in a way. Is
1: she though? I don't know. Because I think that on the one hand, of course, she's talking about she has immense privilege as a beautiful thin white woman in the public eye. And it's great to me that she's talking about violation of consent and abuse and all of these terrible things that women encounter on a daily basis. Love that she's doing that. Amazing. She's using her platform to talk about these things, but she's only addressing the problem that a small, minute portion of women go through. And we can only all have our own experience, right? She will only ever be who she is. And she can only speak with authority on her own experience. But you kind of want to be like, you have this amazing platform. You have 25 million followers. Why don't you use your platform to give other women the chance to speak or talk about some of the issues that other women face? Like... But I, I fall back to the thing right now. I feel so guilty because I feel like I'm holding her to such an impossible standard.
0: But I don't think the problem is like yeah, she's talking about her own trauma, but she's just not acknowledging that she is part of a trauma that she is causing other women, and yeah. that's a problem. That's actually a problem because that in that sense she is part of the problem, and she's complicit, and she's also yeah, it's violent in a way. Also, the advertising she does, the images she posts the product she
1: sells or helps to sell. She's like simultaneously a cog in the machine, but also trying to criticize the machine.
0: Yeah, she's super pissed that she's been exploited, but yet she is a means of exploitation and oppression. Yeah. And on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person inspired by Sandra Lee Bartkey. Thing one, she pointed out that women are encouraged to take up as little space as possible and that they are subjected to the tyranny of slenderness.
1: So don't shrink yourselves. Think two, to quote Bartke, The body by which a woman feels herself judged and which, by rigorous discipline, she must try to assume is the body of early adolescence, slight and unformed, a body lacking flesh or substance, a body in whose very contours the image of immaturity has been inscribed. The requirement that a woman maintain a smooth and hairless skin carries further the theme of inexperience, for an infantilized face must accompany her infantilized body, a face that never ages or furrows its brow in thought. The face of the ideally feminine woman must never display the marks of character, wisdom, and experience that we so admire in men. So, to sum it up, you are an adult woman. In this case, I guess I'm talking to the two of us. We are not hairless. We have thoughts. We furrow our brows. It's okay to have wrinkles. We are not children, we live in a gross pedophilic culture, and it is okay to look the way you look and you don't have to try to form yourself to imitate the body of a small child.
0: And thing three, this is a quote from Toward a Feminology of Feminist Consciousness from 1975, women workers who are not feminists know that they receive unequal pay for equal work, but they may think that this arrangement is just. The feminist sees the situation as an instance of exploitation and an occasion for struggle. Feminists are not aware of different things than other people. They are aware of the same things differently. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you liked the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your
1: podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as 4 euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links
0: to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com.
1: You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi misinformed.podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you